This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast. Thank you for joining Keeping Up With Construction. I'm Fiona Edmund, a partner in the construction team at Charles Russell Speechlease. In this episode, we're looking at procurement, not the choice of contract. Of course, that's critical. And of course, I would say that I'm a lawyer. But what can be done on the PM side to streamline procurement? Joining me is John Meredith, a partner at Gardner and Theobald. Having served as an army officer for over seven years and acted as a PM in development for over 15, both here and abroad, it's safe to say John has a lot of diverse PM experience. Thanks for joining me, John. Thanks, Fiona. Thanks for having me. First question, construction on the army, which is more manageable? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess there are a lot of transferable skills from having been an army officer to get to going to work into you know, project management and construction. Um, but I suppose in, in the army, people tend to follow instructions without asking too many questions, um, which is not always the, sa- the same in uh, civilian life. I can definitely see the advantages of that. Uh, back to procurement. I've mentioned the choice of contract. What other key points need to be covered at the kickoff meeting with a client for a successful project? I think, you know, in addition to looking at, you know, the, the choice of contract and, and the, you know, the warranty package, there are, there are three uh, key things that we would look at with the client, um, you know, really early on. Uh, program efficiency, you know, how we get the most efficient program, um, what I call a, a clean site. Um, and then, you know, how, how we're looking to, to hand over the site to, you know, sales um, and operations um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a phased way. And so to try to get the most efficient program, what do you raise with the employers at the start? The key message is that um, if you get the most efficient program, that will typically reduce the, the cost of finance and, and generate um, income as early as possible, which is, which is a key driver for our, our commercial clients. What we look at there, you know, to give you a little bit more detail, um, we look at opportunities to overlap design, planning, uh, procurement and construction operations. For example, you know, we'll often advise that design continues at, at risk of planning. Um, so for you know, relatively small investment in design fees, you, you can save you know, months and months um, on the program. Um, we'd also look at what works could sensibly be procured in advance of um, you know, full design and a main contractor appointment. Um, you know, typically we'll be looking at things like you know, demolition, um, enabling works, service diversions, um, you know, sometimes you know, basement and, and indeed frame uh, construction if, if that's applicable. We'd also, at you know, really early stage, look at how we might um, you know, engage with some, some key suppliers to inform design construction methodology and, and to help inform the cost plan, you know, typically facades, lifts. Um, on a recent scheme, we've done that with residential kitchens as well. And do you find contractors are prepared to take someone on like that, someone who's not from their usual supply chain? Generally, yes. Um, so, so in my experience, um, you know, subject to the, you know, the, the contractor due diligence uh, checks, uh, they generally are open to taking on new suppliers, um, you know, whether that's, you know, design team members, manufacturers, um, you know, subcontractors or, or suppliers. But I think if, if, if the contractor did raise a concern about, you know, capacity or, or, or previous bad experience um, or, you know, some, uh, some of the failings that they, they're aware of, then, you know, we, we'd, we'd consider alternatives and, and take that seriously. And if you have a subcontractor selected by an employer that the contractor uses, presumably does that give the um, employer greater visibility over the cost build-up? Yes, it can certainly help in, in the early stage of, of cost planning. Um, and, you know, my QS colleagues and, and other you know, peer um, 
QS teams will, will often do that, use the supply chain, you know, as soon as there's enough design uh, available to do so, um, you know, not just advising on, on costs, but also on some design parameters. Um, the only one sort of word of warning is that, you know, you need to sort of be, be careful with um, prices coming back from the supply chain to make sure that, you know, there's a complete understanding of, um, you know, the main contractors, attendances, prelims, you know, overhead and profit, any any risk allowance. So you've got the full picture. Understood. And just wanted to pick up on your point about early letting of packages, taking your example of the basement box and the and the and the frames. Certainly something that we find is obviously employers still very much want to achieve single point responsibility. And we advise that there's depending on what the status of that basement box or concrete frame is, when the when the um, main contractor comes on site, you can still achieve that, whether it be by innovation or collateral warranties. Have you got experience of that as well? Yes, absolutely. And I think where, where I've seen this done best is if it's considered early enough in the process um, with the legal team, you, you start with a robust form of contract and, and, and schedule amendments uh, for the main contract, and then, you know, take, take that set and then step it down to, you know, the... the contracts that might come before, whether that's basement frame or, or, or demolition. So that as you go through the innovation process, um, all that hard work's been done up front and you know the, the, the legal terms follow through, you know, back to back. Absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, and just going back to um, your, the three items that you said the employers should consider, you mentioned a clean site. That sounds quite aspirational. Can I understand a bit more about what that involves, please? Yes, absolutely. And I, I don't mean a sort of a clean site in terms of, you know, looking spick and span. What I, what I really mean is that a site that's that's 100% ready for start of construction works. And, you know, it, it, I mean clean in the sense of free from any, you know, um, legal licensing or or third party issues that might you know delay the start or the, or the progress of the works. Um, so talking through some of those items in a bit more detail, um, you know, vacant possession it, it, it is up there. Um, we'd want to make sure that our, our notices are are complete, exhaustive, issued in in plenty of time. Um, if there's any uh, tenant strip or specialist salvage that needs to happen before we can hand over to the contractor. We want to make sure that's done. Um, where there's opportunity to remove asbestos early in 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 vacant units or back of house areas, we look to, look to do that. Um, one that sometimes does get missed is third party assets, um, particularly telecoms on on roofs. Um, you know, mobile phone sort of booster uh, signals where there's a there's a, a, an asset on there that needs to be removed or relocated. Um, Highways, you know, we'll we'll try and understand as early as possible what the likely, you know, routes in, routes out will be. Um, you know, what road closures might be required. We'll often find that we'll need to engage with uh, TFL if there are any if there are any bus lane alterations, um, traffic signal removal, cycle hire relocation is is something that's coming up. You know, more and more. Um, it's engaging with the local authority for their assets. Um, you know, removal or relocation. Um, you know, street furniture, you know, bins, um, lighting columns, trees and, and the like. Um, some other ones, statutory utilities is, is a big one we look at. Um, and then there are some other bespoke ones that, that occur site, site by site. Recently, we've had to negotiate some relocation of, um, uh, you know, taxi rank space with, with the taxi union, for example. Um, and you know you, you'll often have to deal with influential neighbours, um, either 
um, because they, they, you know, they've they've got a vested interest in in the scheme or the community or you know just community leaders who who perhaps have the ear of the politicians, and making sure that you've got them involved early so they understand the project, um, can help you you know going through through planning or or, or support with the, the local authorities. So relationships really and discussions are key. Absolutely, I think you know it's it's managing those relationships and. Um, it's making sure that you've got, you know, you understand the lead-in times, um, and you and you've got the right sort of, you know, PM and, and client-side resource to try and manage all of those things up front um, before, um, you know, the, the contractor starts on site. And is that particularly the case with stats? I ask because everybody always groans when they come up on a project when we're talking about risk allocation. Is there anything yeah. more you can do beside that with stats to try to manage them? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's um, you know, there's there's a sort of the, the, the basic things you need to do, which is to understand exactly what's in, on, and around the site, um, which you'll get from you know uh, record information, um, surveys, engaging with the if it's an existing building, the um, you know the building manager and 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 their team. Um, again, early engagement with the statutory authorities, making sure you know you understand. Um, they understand what's going on in the project, and you've and you and you've spoken to them. Um, and it, it's generally too late if you leave that to contractor. You've got to start that, you know, before the contractor's on board. Um, where it's complicated, um, you, you, you can there are there are people who specialists. There are specialist consultants who, who advise on this, you know, outside the standard sort of MEP offering. Um, I, I think you know, with all of that, it's important to sort of maintain and and, and nurture personal relationships so you've got a you know an invested point of contact um you know when you're when you're dealing with the the these statutory authorities you know, you know power is, is is a common one if you've got somebody who's knows you you know you've got that you know regular contact with that can help as you said at the beginning employers want a phased handover so they can generate income as soon as possible um presumably that doesn't just happen you need to think about that at a tender stage what what considerations or what items what things do you discuss to try to achieve that Sometimes the the thought of handover can be left too late to have any any real impact on on the outcome. And, and, and as you say, you know, I guess the key key message we're trying to get across is that um, if you consider the handover strategy right at the front, um, you've got the best chance of releasing those income generating areas uh, as soon as possible in a in a sort of managed way. Um, so I think you know some of the things to to pick up on that. Um, you know, first and foremost would be design considerations, um, particularly around um, mechanical electrical design and commissioning. And if you if you start, if you know what your handover strategy is going to be, you know, during sort of stage, reaper stage two and three, you can design your plant um, and and commissioning strategy accordingly. So you can have, um, you know, rather than perhaps just, just, you know, one central plant that has to be commissioned all at the same time, you could have it in a, in a, in a, in a modular way or, you know, installed in a, in a phased way to, to allow that, um, you know, to allow a phase handover. Um, we'd also quite early look at um, just some some construction methodology, particularly around how we, you know, access the site, you know, control of, of, of noise and dust um, in areas adjacent, where, where construction works adjacent to areas to be handed over early. Um, you know, considering how, you know, um, Operatives and material will, will will move around the site, and then as as you sort of get get into um, construction operations, it's, it's 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 maintaining a really close liaison with um, you know the, the the building operations team. Um, 
I think you know that it's great to get that set up at the start, as then you get into construction um, and you're you're starting to think about handover. And this might be as early as sort of you know 12 months out if there's uh, an operations team coming on board. Um, you'd want to work up a a, a sort of a, a properly coordinated um, and progressive um, training plan, so the incoming operations team understand you know how, how to operate the building. You also might, or we often see the initial maintenance contracts perhaps being purchased through the main contractor. So we've got that seamless transition from um, completion of, of building works into operation rather than the building, uh, the, the works finishing on, on, on a certain date and the next day um, the operations team taking over. Um, and, and something we're seeing a little bit more of now is is the contractor leaving behind a, a stay behind team, maybe a, you know, a small team of two, three, four engineers who understand exactly how the um, you know, the, the MEP systems work and they can stay on for a period of time, you know, three, six, 12 months, whatever, um, just to make sure there's that really, really smooth transition into, um, you know, building operations. Thanks, John. That is really interesting. I think we've got some great nuggets for our audience, which I'm sure they'll find really very helpful. Um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. And will Gardner and Theo will come back and talk to us about some more on-site and other issues. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to Keeping Up With Construction. This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast.